Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. So we're going to talk about a really well-known story tonight, and that's the story of Jonah, the prophet Jonah. We're picking up in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. If you never read or heard of the story of Jonah, um, then you probably weren't in Sunday school. Let me just say that. Because that's, you know, you always learn about the story of Jonah, but then you're in for a treat tonight because the story of Jonah is one of the most craziest, uh, it should be on Netflix, okay? It's one of the craziest stories and, and that you'll read about, and so that's what we're talking about. And we're going to pick up in verse 1 and 1 through 15. It says, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. He said, get up. Everybody say, get up. Say, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Has anybody ever tried to run from God before? It doesn't work out well. <laughs> it never does. He tried to run away. He said he went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish, and he bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. So this guy's a prophet. That's kind of a big deal um, back in that time. And you're a scholar. He's a scholar of scripture, and he knows the word of God, yet he is trying to run away from God's calling in his life. Yet he's trying to run away from his direction. So to me, that just goes to show there's a difference between knowing the word and being obedient to the word. There's a big difference between that. But it says, but the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate soldiers shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. He said, how can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up. Everybody say, get up and pray to our God, to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? They said, what is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? What is your credit score? And what is your social security number? No, I'm just kidding. They didn't say that. That's what they would have said nowadays. But Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard of this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. They're almost done. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God, and said, Oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death either. Oh, Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. Then the storm stopped at once. This is the title for tonight, the thought for tonight. Turn to your neighbor and say, my failure is not my future. My failure 
It's not my future. Let me, let me encourage you this real quick. This because you made a mistake, it doesn't mean that you are a mistake. This because you made a wrong decision doesn't mean you have to continue in the wrong direction. If there's something that encouraged me about the story of Jonah is that everybody has a chance to turn around and follow after God. Amen? Come on together. Let's, let's pray over service together real quickly. Father, we thank you for gathering us tonight, God, that we're here for your spirit. We're here for your word. We're here, God, to move closer to you. So have your way tonight, Holy Spirit. Have your way, God, tonight in this house. Father, communicate what you want to communicate. Say what you want to say. Stir up what you want to stir up, God. Begin to grow us from the inside out that, Father, we are here for you. So have your way, Jesus. Have your way. And everybody says, amen, amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise tonight. Y'all can be seated. Y'all can be seated. I don't know if you know this, um, but the number one most common fear that everybody has is public speaking. That means that more than the fear of spiders, more than the fear of snakes, more than the fear of heights, uh, more than the fear of death, people fear public speaking more than anything else. Now, that got me thinking, you know, I really don't think it's that people are afraid of this talking in front of people. I don't think that's the root of it. I think people are afraid of failing in front of people. I think people are afraid of making a mistake and their mistake being known or being heard. I think Quite truly, I don't think it's the fear of public speaking. I think it's the fear of public failure. And that we just think in our minds that if we say something wrong, that it could be held against us. Um, I remember this first time that took place in my life uh, was in the fourth grade spelling bee. In the fourth grade spelling bee. Um, I remember preparing for the fourth grade spelling bee. Uh, if you know me, then you know that I'm very competitive and that I like to win. And so when I heard that we were having a spelling bee, I was studying, I was getting ready, and I said, I'm going to take this trophy home because I'm going to win this spelling bee. And can I just tell you, Riverside Church, that I was killing it during that spelling bee. I was spelling every word right. Uh, you can name it. I was spelling it. Uh, it didn't matter, five syllables, ten syllables. I was spelling it right. And I was doing so well that it came down to me and the smartest girl in the class. And I remember thinking, I'm doing this for the boys now. Now I'm gonna, win, I'm gonna win this spelling bee. And we were going back and forth. I was spelling Velociraptor. I was spelling photosynthesis. I was spelling all these long words time and time after time. And she, we're just going back and forth. I wasn't doing anything wrong or spelling anything wrong. She wasn't spelling anything wrong. We're going back and forth and back and forth. And I remember then I, I stepped up for for one of the words, and they told me to spell the word that is now one of my most hated words in history now. <laughs> you know, I step up, and I'm expecting, you know, some kind of long, you know, many-syllable word. I'm expecting, you know, something so challenging, and I step up, and they say, okay, Caleb, your word is crumb. I was like, crumb? I'm like, okay, that's the, I'm like, these guys must be giving up because that's like the easiest word ever. I remember thinking, it was like, okay, whatever. I was like, crumb, C-R-U-M, crumb. Dropped the mic and I was walking off the, off the platform. And then I heard that sound that you don't want to hear during a spelling bee, right? And I remember turning around, I was like, you got to be kidding me. Was that like, you're lying, right? 
And they said, no, you got it wrong, Caleb. You spelled crumb, C-R-U-M-B. I was like, oh, my gosh. Who can forget the silent B and the word crumb and dumb? <laughs> and I just remember, like, being so heartbroken, and all the kids were laughing. All the kids were like, you misspelled crumb. And I remember thinking to myself in that moment, I'm never doing a spelling bee again. I remember thinking, I'm never doing this again. I don't ever want to fail like this in front of people again. And come to show it, even the next year when we we're going to have spelling bee again, I said, uh, I ain't doing that. Because there's going to be a silent letter somewhere that's going to make me look dumb, okay? Not knowing how to spell crumb. And so I didn't do it, but what I realized is that I let a failure dictate my future. I let a failure dictate a future decision that every time we would think about doing it again in the future, I was like, you know what? I failed in the past, so that means I'm going to fail again. I thought to myself, I, I don't want to do this again because I'm afraid of failing again. See, failure has a way of making us feel fearful about the future. Failure has a way of making us afraid of taking those steps of faith. Failure has us making a, a way of being afraid to take a chance again or, or to step out by faith again. It has that way of making us afraid of taking those steps towards the future. And because of that, because of our great fear of failure, we miss out on our future success. Basically, every story, every success story that you've ever heard of always began as failures. If you don't believe me, Walt Disney was fired at the age of 22 by a newspaper because they said he lacked imagination. Even more, um, Steve Jobs was fired from Apple at the, in the year 1985 because his own employees said that he wasn't the guy to lead them into the future. And he wouldn't come back until uh, 1995 and then eventually lead him into the future and lead us into making all these products that we are now held hostage by, okay? The iPhone, the iPad, and all that. And finally, well, how about this? Has anybody ever heard of the Detroit Automobile Company? Has anybody ever heard of that? You have it, maybe a couple of y'all. But that was the first company that Henry Ford started that failed very quickly and miserably. But did that stop Henry Ford from saying, you know what, I'm never going to make cars because I failed the first time or the first time I tried didn't work out? No, he said, I'm going to start another company. And shortly after his first failure, he learned, and then that's when he started the Ford company that we all know today. What I'm trying to say is this. Failure is not an option of life. Failure is a certainty. If you try to escape failure, you're still going to find failure somewhere around. We all make mistakes. We all fall short. We all do things that are dumb, like spelling crumb wrong, right? We all make mistakes, but the question isn't whether or not we make mistakes. The question is whether or not we're going to let these failures define who we are. Because, see, failure is not a person. Failure is an event. Failure is not who you are. Failure just might be what you did. That just because you made a mistake doesn't mean that you are a mistake. Quite truly is this, that when you make a failure or you have a failure in your life, that doesn't make you a failure. That just makes you human. We all fail. We all make mistakes. We all do things that we shouldn't. But this is when I want to encourage somebody who's struggling with failure or struggling with a mistake. Do not let that mistake define who you are. Yeah. 
Do not let that failure define who you are. Speaking of failure, let's talk about the most picked on minor prophet of the Bible, Jonah. If you ever read about Jonah or talk about Jonah, you always know we always pick on him about his failures. We always pick on him because he disobeyed God. We always pick on him because he turned his back on God and he got caught in the storm and he was swallowed by a fish. And we always talk about Jonah and we talk about the mistakes and the failures that he had in his life. But despite all this, Jesus actually compares himself to Jonah. Did you know that? Jesus, the Son of God, the perfect person, the the 100% God, 100% man, compares himself to this person who we look at as a mistake and as a failure. He does it in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40. and says this. He's talking to the Pharisees and says, For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. The people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on judgment day and condemn it, for they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. Now someone greater, but I say greater, greater than Jonah is here, but you refuse to repent it. See, this is Jesus talking about, right, his coming death and resurrection. This is actually Jesus talking about him correcting the greatest failure in history, which is sin, and that how he's going to come and he's going to bridge the gap, and that how he's going to make even our greatest failures repairable by the blood of Jesus. Who's thankful for that in this place tonight? So Jesus is talking about this, and he's comparing himself to Jonah, but what I want us to catch is this. Not once did he mention Jonah's mistakes. Not once did he say, you know, this guy Jonah, he messed up, he, he did stupid things, he was a failure. No, he didn't mention that once. He didn't talk about his failures. He didn't talk about his mistakes. He talked about Jonah's success, and he talked about the good things about Jonah. So this is what I want to encourage you with tonight. This because you've made a mistake. This because you've made a failure in your life. This because you did something that you know you shouldn't have done. Don't think that Jesus looks at you, and all he sees are mistakes. Don't think that Jesus looks at you and all he sees is the failures you've done. Don't think that Jesus looks at you and he sees sin. Jesus looks at you and he sees his son. And he says, that's the person that I died for. That's the person that I see in the righteousness made in the blood of Jesus. That is what Jesus sees. See, even though that Jonah failed, he still made it to the future that God had for him. He didn't let his mistakes hold him back. He didn't let his failures hold him back. He didn't say, I've messed up. I no longer should be a prophet. He didn't say, I've messed up now. I shouldn't be able to start that business. I shouldn't be able to do this or that. He said, I messed up, but I can still follow after God and watch him turn my mess up into a miracle and transform it for good. Amen? So let's look at the story of Jonah. We're going to pick up in verse 4 again, and I want you all to catch something. In Jonah 1, verse 4 through 6. It says that the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm. Everybody say storm. That threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep. Everybody say asleep. Down in the hole. So the captain went down after him. He said, how can you sleep? One more time. Everybody say sleep. Sleep at a time like this. He shouted, get up, pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. It says that the Lord hurled a storm his way. 
Now, I've preached and I've talked about before that when we find ourselves in a storm, that that doesn't mean we need to abandon ship. That doesn't mean that we need to abandon God's plan. That doesn't mean we need to, you know, go or, or need to stop. We need to push forward. Right? I preached that before, that, you know, sometimes storms are there to strengthen us. Sometimes we just need to push through and watch God bring us out of the storm. I preached that before, but that's all dependent that we are going in the right direction. That is all dependent that we're actually going in the direction that God wants us to go. Because let me tell you this, if you find yourself in life and you're going in the wrong direction and then you find yourself in a storm, that storm wasn't meant to strengthen you. That storm is meant to steer you back towards God and to the will that he has for your life. Sometimes there are storms in our lives that are meant to wake us up because we're asleep in our sin, we're asleep in our mistakes, and we're asleep in our failures. And a storm comes to wake you up and say, hey, look, it's not too late. Get back on track. The things might be going down, the place might be sinking, but it's not too late to get back on track. See, imagine if the storm would have never came. Jonah would have never left that boat, and he would have sailed to Tarshish, and the people of Nineveh would have never been saved, and they would have never repented, right? But it took a storm to wake him up, to let him know that he's going in the wrong direction, and for him to make a decision whether or not he's going to stay in his failure or move on to the future that God wants for his life. I believe we all have that decision sometimes, that when we make a mistake, we can either stay there or we can move on. We can either say, I made too many mistakes, and I know I made a failure. I can stay on this sinking ship, or I can move on and trust God and follow after him and make things right. So remember, Jonah was literally asleep when the storm hit, and that storm was a wake-up call for him to get back on track with God. Point number one for tonight is this. It says, the storm is not meant to wreck you, but awake you. Everybody say, awake you. The storm is not meant to wreck you, but awake you. So if you find yourself going through something and it feels like it's a storm and it feels like things are coming against you, maybe that's not God trying to wreck your life. Maybe that's God trying to awake your spirit. And say, things need to change. Things need to change for your life. You need to spend more time with me. You need to make some decisions that are better. You need to put me first in your life. Maybe that's what God is trying to say if you find yourself in a storm and you're falling after your own desires. Maybe that's God saying, hey, look, this isn't working. Hey, look, now's the time to wake up. Hey, look, you're asleep in your spirit. But wake up. It's not too late. Before the, before the storm sinks the boat, it's not too late. Maybe you're losing those toxic friends not because God wants you to be alone. Maybe because God wants something better for you. Maybe because God has better relationships for you. Maybe you find yourself in a season when money is tight, not because God wants to go bankrupt, but because God wants to create a better budget for you that you can be disciplined about. So when the blessing comes, you can handle it. See, maybe these storms are not meant to wreck your life, but to awaken your life and say, I need to change some things, like Jonas said. I need to change some things in my life so that way I can get back on track with God. See, imagine if the storm would have never came, Jonah would have never left the boat. Imagine if the storm would have, wouldn't have woken him up, he would have fallen asleep and it would have continued in the wrong direction. But sometimes it takes a storm. Sometimes it takes a heartbreak to get out of that toxic relationship. Sometimes it takes you losing your job for you to find the better job that God 
has for you. And in that moment, it might feel like a failure. In that moment, it might feel like a mistake. In that moment, you might be tempted to stay and just belittle yourself and to just say how bad your life is and stay in that failure instead of letting God use it to move on to something better, to awaken something on the inside of you. See, I believe this. I believe that failure can be to our benefit if we use it in the right direction. I believe a mistake can be in our benefit. We say, God, I made a mistake, and I'm sorry. Forgive me, God. Let me get back on track. I need to make some changes. I need to do some things different. I need to know now that I need to awaken myself. I need to start following after you wholeheartedly, not hold nothing back and follow after your will for my life. Let it awaken something on the inside of you. Use that failure. Use that mistake not as something for the enemy to hold you down. Use it as something for grace to lift you back up and to let yourself know that if I fall after God, all things are possible. If I fall after God, these mistakes aren't going to hold me down. If I fall after God, I don't have to stay in this sinking ship no longer. I can choose to follow after him. Come on, if you're thankful for a God who uses storms sometimes to wake you up. See, Jonah, he wanted to get back on track. He realized his failure. And it says in verse 11, it says this, Jonah 1, verse 11. It says, since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what do we do to you to stop the storm? I think that's funny because sometimes it's up to us. Like sometimes we think, what does everybody else need to do to fix my storm? No, quite literally, what do you need to do to fix your storm? What do you need to do to fix your situation? What do you need to do to be able to overcome the things around? Not what everybody else needs to do. What do you need to do to stop the storm? He said, throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. He said, I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's my fault. That's my bad. See, that's my bad. That's what Jonah was saying. He was looking around at the terrible storm, and he said, you know what, guys? This is all my fault. He didn't try to blame people. He didn't try to say, oh, well, you know, this or that. No, he, he said, that is my fault. This, my mistakes, my failure, that's my fault. That, that, that's on me. See, I believe that once we stop blaming people for our problems and start looking to ourselves, that's when we find progress in our life. Once we stop getting in that trap and that cycle of blaming people and being insecure and jealous and saying, oh, it's because of her, because of him. Once we stop doing that and say, maybe I need to look at myself, that's when we begin to have progress. So you can only move forward after you know and after you admit and you say, you know what, this is my fault. That's the only way to move forward. Because if we stay in that trap, if we stay, really what happens is that we stay on that boat, that sinking ship. We stay on it if we keep on blaming people. If Jonah would have said, if he would have gone out there and looked at the storm, looked at the waves, said, guys, look, I really have no idea what's going on. Like, Y'all should check the weather channel or something. Y'all should have known. This is your fault. And he could have blamed the captain. He could have blamed the boat. He could have blamed God. But no, he said, guys, this is all me. This is my fault. I take ownership of it. I take responsibility of this. I'm not blaming him. I'm not blaming her. This is my fault. Now, look, I'm not saying that people don't play roles or things don't play roles in things that happen to your life. But when it comes down to it, we are responsible for our decisions. When it comes down to it, we are the ones who say yes or no. We're the ones who decide to be obedient or not. It's up to us to own and to say it's our fault. 
And Jonah said, it's my fault. And then he said something really dramatic. He said, cast me into the sea. See, if you catch this, you know that Jonah is not a brave man. Jonah wasn't even brave enough to follow after God and take a road trip to Nineveh. Jonah wasn't even brave enough to say yes to the calling on his life. Yet, Jonah finds himself on a sinking boat. The wind and waves are crashing around him. He is in the middle of probably a hurricane. It seems like if there's one safe spot to be, it's to stay on the boat. If there's one safe and comfortable spot to be, it's to stay on that boat and not to go in the storm, not to go into the sea. But yet, Jonah, who couldn't even say yes to God's calling on his life, all of a sudden says, you know what? Cast me into that storm. Cast me into those wind. Cast me into those waves. I don't want to stay in this comfortable boat no longer. Cast me into the storm. See, that's what happens when we move forward after a failure. It's going to cost us something. We're going to have to change something is what I'm, what I'm trying to say. We're going to have to make some changes. We're going to have to get outside our comfort zone. We're going to have to say, you know what, it's going to cost me something to move on from this failure or mistake. That's point two for tonight is this. Moving forward after a failure will come at the cost of your comfort. Moving forward after a failure will come at the cost of your comfort. See, stepping out of that sinking boat will come at the cost of you going into a storm that you're uncomfortable with. It might cost you something. Taking that step of faith is so supposed to be uncomfortable. When you make changes with your life, it's supposed to make your life uncomfortable. Can I, let me say this real quick because it's getting a little quiet. When you follow after Jesus, that's not a comfortable life. When you say yes to his calling, that's not a comfortable decision. Now, I'm not saying that there's not peace. There will be peace. But there will be challenges. There will be faith that you have to exercise. There will be times where you have to be self-disciplined. It's not going to be going with the coast. It's not going to be going with the flow. No, to live a life after Jesus is that you have to get uncomfortable every once in a while. You have to get out of your routine every once in a while. You have to get out of the religion every once in a while and say, God, I want to follow after you. And this might mean that I, it's going to cost me something. And usually what it costs you is your comfort. Usually what it costs you is you stepping outside your routine and stepping outside the norm and knowing that you have to step out of this if you want something better. So when we step out by faith, it may cost us something. When, when we first say, you know what, God, I need to start spending more time with you, it may cost you some Netflix time. You may miss that TV show if it means that you have to pray a little longer at night. You, you, you might miss some, you might sleep a little shorter if it means that you have to spend more time with God. It may cost you something. But I want to tell you this, is that what you gain will be so much better than what you gave up. What you gain will be so much better than what you gave up. What I've learned is this. Sometimes I can be so close-fist about things and say, God, I don't want to give this up. I don't want to give up this comfortability. I don't want to give up this routine. I, don't, I like this flow. I'm comfortable in this flow. But as soon as I say, God, you know what? I'm giving this up to you. What I gain is so much better than what I gave up. What God gives me back is so much better than what I gave up. It's in no comparison. See, so you might be saying, well, I might have to give up a lifestyle, a, a, a lifestyle of toxicity, or maybe you're used to going out every Saturday night. You might have to give up that lifestyle, but the lifestyle you gain will have so much more peace in it. We'll have so much more joy in it. We'll have so much more self-control, self-discipline, so much more love in it. So you might have to give up something, but what you gain will be so much better. You might have to give up some friends. You might have to give up some relationships. You might have to say, I have to step outside my circle. You might lose some friends, but the friends you gain, 
the community you gain is so much better than what you gave up. Come on, if anybody's ready to lose some things for Jesus, to gain what he has better for you, well, give him a shout of praise tonight. Thank you, Jesus. So Jonah, he, you know, paint the story for you. Jonah has this sense of bravery. He says, you know what, this is my fault. And he jumps into the sea or he gets cast into the sea. The sailors throw him into the sea. And then we pick up in verse 1, 17 through 2, verse 1. It says, now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed. Everybody say prayed. prayed. To the Lord his God from inside the fish. You know, in my mind, I think the story kind of goes like this, that, you know, Jonah's like, you know what, throw me into the sea, God. I trust you, God. Throw me into the sea. And he's thrown into the sea. And I bet you he's just like in the middle of the storm or the storm calling. He's in the middle of the sea. And he's like, this is the worst. Things could not get any worse than that. Like, I'm literally in, like, in the middle of the sea, no land around. Things could get any worse. And all of a sudden, he hears the Jaws theme music, right? Dunna, 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 dunna. And then he's swallowed by a fish. And now he's like, oh my gosh, things could get worse. Now I'm in the belly of a fish, and he could have said, this is all my fault. This is my failures. This is my mistake. He could have said, things gone from bad to worse. Now I find myself swallowed up in a fish. See, sometimes that's what failure can feel like. It can swallow us whole sometimes. Failure can seem like it just wraps it around ourselves, and all we can think about all day long is how we messed up. All we can think about all day long is, man, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. Why did I do this? And it can seem like failure swallows us whole, and all we can think about is what we've done wrong. And almost to a point where we think we've done so many things wrong that there's no way we can do something right. I, I, I think that Jonah was in that fish for a little bit. He's like, this is it. This is over. I'm going to be digested, and who knows after that? I don't even think about it, right? He's like, this is it. This is how my life ends. Sometimes when we fail, we think, this is it. This is it. This is, this is last thing. I, I'll always be known for this failure. I'll be known for this mistake. I'll always be known for what I did wrong. And, and Jonah, he's in the belly of the fish. I think he's kind of thinking of himself about how much he's failed. And, and he's thinking to himself, maybe this is how it ends. But then I believe a spark of faith happened on the inside of him. He says, you know, this isn't where my story ends. You know, this failure this fish I'm in, this, this could be where my story ends. And we could talk about Jonah and the well to the kids in the church and say, don't make, make, a, make a mistake. You'll be swallowed by a fish, and he'll eat you, right? And that could be the story, and that's where it ends. But instead, he said, this is not where my story ends. And in the middle of his failure, in the belly of his failure, he begins to pray and cry out to God. In the middle of his mistakes, in the middle of his failures, in the middle of all the things going wrong in his life, he's literally in the worst position he's ever been. And he could have said, you know what, this is it. He could have wallowed. He could have blamed. He could have said, I'm staying here. This is how my life is going to be over from now on. But instead, he began to pray in the middle of his mistakes. He began to cry out to God. He began to say, God, forgive me. If you read his prayer, it's beautiful what he's saying to God. He begins to cry out to God in the middle of his failure. And I begin to repent. I think and I believe he began to declare that this failure that he's had is not where his story ends. Point three for tonight is this. Is that your failure is not your finish. Your failure is not your finish. Don't let this failure be the end of your story. 
Don't let this mistake be the end of your story. Don't let this failure be the end of your book and say, okay, I'm not going to try and follow after faith no longer. I'm not going to go and try to follow after my passions or dreams no longer because I failed once. I made a mistake once, and this is where it ends, and now I'm just going to settle for anything that is average and less than God's best for my life. Don't let that failure be the end of your story. Don't let that mistake keep you from the mission God has for you. Don't let that wrong decision determine your story. I think Jonah looked around, and I believe he was even thinking about his mistakes and failure. And I think he said, God, I made a mistake. And then God told him, so what? Repent of it, learn from it, and get back on the horse because we got things to do. You made a mistake, so what? Repent of it, learn from it, and get back on track with what God has for, for you. Yeah, so what? You made a mistake. Repent of it, learn from it, and get back on the plan that God has for you. God doesn't look at you and says, okay, anybody who's failed, anybody who's made a mistake, I can't use them no longer. Because if that was the case, none of us would be here, to be quite honest with you. God doesn't say, oh, okay, I, I need only the perfect people. I only need the people who's never failed, never made a mistake. I, I only need them. No, that's not what God is saying. He looked at Jonah in the belly of the fish, and he said, you got a, a choice and a decision to make. You can cry out to me, or you could say, you know what, God, I repent of this, and I'm going to learn from it. Now, God, how can you use me for the plans that you have on my life? We can't let failures be where we finish. We can't let mistakes be where we stay. We can't let all these problems that we have be the final chapter of our lives. We have to, in that moment, and sometimes, see, Jonah didn't wait till he was out of the fish to begin to pray. Jonah didn't wait until everything was perfect, until everything was better, until he was in such a great place in his life to start praying again. No, he was in the middle of his failure. He was in the middle of his mistake. He was at the rock bottom, and that is where he made a change. I believe sometimes when we hit rock bottom, that can be a firm foundation to start building again. That sometimes when we reach the lowest of the lows, that can be the best place for us to begin to go even more deeper into God's presence. And say, God, I made a mistake. I know for a fact now that I need you. I was kind of questioning it before I thought I had this life figured out. I'm sure Jonah was like, hey, I'm a pretty good prophet. But now he knew for sure in the belly of that fish that he still needed God. He knew for sure in the belly of that fish that he still needed a touch. He still needed to be led. He still needed to pray. He still needed to have that relationship with him no matter what. It was in that belly, the fish. And what could have been seen as the final chapter of the story, what could have been his finish, the fish. That could have been where everything ended. That could have been where his story ended and closed. That, that failure of being swallowed by a fish hole. That, that could have been where his story ended. But instead, and I believe because he prayed, I believe it's because he repented, I believe because he said, God, I'm sorry, please forgive me, I learned from it, I'm not going to make that mistake again, I'm going to follow after you. I believe that it's in those prayers when the fish begin to turn around. I believe that's in that repentance where the fish begin to turn around and take them back to Nineveh because this, see, the, the, the failure could be where he finished, but instead God used that fish to take him to his purpose. God used that fish to take him back to God's plan. God used that fish to take him and be the transport what would take him to the next phase of his life. It was in that failure that God used to take him to his future. It was in that mistake that God used to take him to the mission that he had. It was in the middle of what he thought was the worst, but because he had a heart change and a mind change and a life change, because he said, God, I follow after you. It was in the middle of all that that God turned things around and said, I'm taking you back. 
I see your heart now. I see you learn from it. I see your repentance now. Now I'm going to take you back and let's go back to work because there's some people in Nineveh who need to repent of their sins as well, right? There's a mission that needs to be done. There's a purpose that needs to be done. There's a plan that still needs to be fulfilled. Yes, you made a mistake. Yes, you made a failure. Yes, you've done some things you shouldn't have. Repent from it. Learn from it. And let's get back on track and go towards the things that God has for my life. Come on, stand to your feet tonight. I'm closing. So you might be in the house tonight and say, Pastor Caleb, I feel like I'm in the belly of a fish. Like, I feel like things have just gone from bad to worse. I, I just feel like I've made mistake after mistake, failure after failure. I, I feel like I've done so many steps in the wrong direction that there's no way I can get back on track for God. For that, I want to read the scripture to you. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. So the fish takes him back to Nineveh, drops him on the shores. It says in verse 1, chapter 3, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Everybody say a second time. He said a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you a second time. Everybody say second time. Second time. Verse 10, we'll skip down a little more. He does, he's obedient. He says, God saw what they had done. He saw the, the repentance of the Ninevites, and he changed his mind not to carry out the destruction that he had threatened. I want you to catch what these two scriptures are really saying, both in the in important. Even those failures that Jonah had through his whole life, even though he turned his back on them, God didn't move on from Jonah. Even though it seemed like Jonah was moving on from God, even though it seemed like Jonah was turning his back on God, God didn't turn his back on Jonah. God didn't move on from Jonah and say, oh, well, look, you made a mistake. You're useless. Get out of here. I'm going to use someone. No. God never left him. And it says that for a second time, he gave Jonah a second chance. He gave Jonah another try to do the same promise he had for him from the beginning. He didn't say, oh, you made a mistake. Well, that main promise is out of the way. Here's a little second. You know, it's not as good, but it's your fault because you made a mistake. But it's not. No. The same promise that he had before he failed was still there after he failed. The same mission that he had on his life was still there after he made all the mistakes. God gave him a second chance. God gave the Ninevites a second chance. He was about to spite Nineveh. He was about to put them off the earth, but because of their heart repentance, he gave them a second chance. This is what I want to encourage you all with tonight, is that we serve a God of second chances. We serve a God of second chances. If there's anybody in the house who's dealing with regret and condemnation, who's dealing with the fear of failure and thinking, there's no way God can use me anymore. There's no way that God can still use me for his plan for me. There's no way I made too many mistakes. I made too many failures. I've done too many things wrong. Let me tell you this. You serve a God of second chances, third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances. Can I tell you this? When God sees us and we made a mistake and we ask for repentance and we're covered by the blood, God doesn't see it anymore. God doesn't see the failure. He doesn't see the mistake. It's erased from his memory. He doesn't see it no longer. So whenever we just repent and say, God, forgive me for what I've done, God gives us a second chance. Righteousness, righteousness always follows when we repent. 
Righteousness always follows when we say, God, I made a mistake. I'm in this mess. I'm in the belly of the whale. I see what's going on, but forgive me, God, for what I've done. I'm not going to let my failure stay with me. I'm not going to let my mistake make me a mistake. No, God, forgive me for these things. I repent of it. I learn from it, and I'm moving on because you got a mission for my life. you got a purpose for my life. you got a plan on my life. you got something on my life that I can't say no to. So I'm moving on from my failure. God, forgive me, but I'm moving on. Everybody say, I'm moving on. I'm moving on from these mistakes. I'm moving on from these failures because we all believe and know that we serve a God of second chances. Come on, can we right now just lift our hands? Can we right now just begin to think about what God has done for us and how he's given us the second chances, how there's no such thing as condemnation in the eyes of Christ, that there's no such thing as a guilty person in the eyes of Christ, that once we are covered by the blood of Jesus, we are righteous in the eyes of the Father. Once we repent for those mistakes and those failures, we are righteous in the eyes of the Father, that we serve a God of second chances, that we serve a God who's always going to be there for us. Like the prodigal son, it doesn't matter how far we go, away. It doesn't matter how far we stray. It doesn't matter how many steps we go in the wrong direction. As soon as we come back to him, he's waiting with open arms. He's waiting to embrace us. He's waiting to put a ring on our finger and to call us a son and daughter and welcome us back into the house and get us back on the plan, get us back on the promises, and get us back on the future that he has for us. Come on, right now, let's begin to lift up your voice, lift up your praise. Let's sing a song together and let's just begin to crowd to God. Say, Father, I'm moving on from these mistakes, and I'm moving on from these failures. Forgive me of them. I learn from them, but I'm moving on to the future that you have for me. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's sing together tonight. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.